the plan, again, like I said, was not to have a worship gathering tonight, but as I was reading through our Bible plan this week, um, I just felt prompted by God that I should put together a sermon um, based out of some of the scriptures that he highlighted to me as I was reading for myself. Um, so hopefully the Lord will speak to you tonight as I preach. And um, yeah, I would also love to hear how God is speaking to you and um, how we can come alongside of you as a church and disciple you or help empower you to disciple others. Um, yeah, we're a brand new community here in Fenway and we're just getting started and we're excited to see what God does in and through our community. Um, I'm going to pray for a moment and then we'll jump into a quick message that I prepared for us tonight. God, um, even just this week, I was reminded that we make our plans, um, but you are the one that uh, directs the way that we go. And, you know, the plan wasn't to have a worship gathering tonight to prepare a sermon, but um, I'm grateful that your spirit spoke. And I believe because this was outside of our original plans, it means that you have a word that you want to share um, to whoever gets to hear this. And I just pray, Holy Spirit, that you would come and be here in my apartment, be with me um, as I preach your word and um yeah, I pray that this is seen as an uh, an act of worship um, for you tonight, God, and uh, I pray that it would edify your church and that it would encourage people um, as they are journeying with you and maybe going through um, different things in this season of life. So yeah, just be here with us as your word is preached tonight. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. It's recording. Okay. So um, if you've been following God for any length of time, I'm pretty sure by now, just even like me this week, God said, hey, Amanda, I want you to do this. Even though I wasn't planning to preach, he made it clear that it was something I needed to do. Um, so if you've been following God for any length of time, I'm sure that he has asked you to do something. Um, he has spoken specifically to you or maybe it's been a, a group that you're a part of maybe it's even a church that you've been a part of um, the leadership has come to you and said this is the way that we feel God is leading our church forward um, we're asking you to come alongside of us and help us uh, see this through to come to pass um, the great thing about God is that he is actively in our lives. He is speaking to us all the time. And if we listen and obey, then we get to participate in what God is doing in this world. And um, I'm sure we all have testimony after testimony of all the great things that God has done in us and through us. Um, and for me and my family, one of the biggest things that God has asked us to do these last couple of years was to come to the city of Boston, 
um, to learn and do a residency with Awaken City Church. Shout out to Awaken City. Uh, we had a great two years there, and we, in September, just transitioned completely out of the residency and focusing on public church full time. And um, it's crazy. It's already been two months. In some ways, it feels like it was years ago that we were at Awaken City. In some ways, it feels like it was just yesterday. But God spoke very clearly to me and my family two years ago that we were supposed to come to Boston and be a part of the church here that's already existing, but also to make a community called Public Church that would reach um, a different, different people. Um, we are grateful for the churches that are already here in the city and the people that are connected to them and, and the work that they're doing. Um, but we know in a city like Boston, where only like 4% are Protestant evangelical Christians, that we need to be active in God's community here and share the gospel. So God called me and my family here to start a church, and I will just admit that it has been a very refining process for me. Uh, there's been a lot of pruning. Uh, there's a, a scripture in the book of Matthew, it's probably in others, but it talks about how God prunes um, us to make room for the greater fruit to grow. And I came here uh, <laughs> thinking already that I had some pretty good fruit, but I guess the Holy Spirit knew differently. And there's just some things about being here in this process that's been super refining for me. And one of the biggest things for me is overcoming a fear of rejection. Um, as far back as I can remember, a lot of my insecurity as a kid came because I was always afraid that people were going to reject me. And so I would either distance myself from people or I would be the one that did the rejecting so that I wasn't the recipient and be hurt. But, uh, you know, shortly after moving here, I started um, kind of, you know, telling people about public church and asking them questions about what their needs were here and it was a really terrifying process for me because I was afraid they were going to get really upset with me and now looking back and knowing that I've done it and overcame some of that fear it was still interesting to see and and remember my my thought process um, so yeah, it's been a refining process and that's been amazing. But one of the biggest things that ha it has done for me is put me in a place of dependence on God unlike ever before. Something really interesting happens when we're in a place of dependence on God and um, it it's great, it's terrifying, but it also allows us to see God. We talked about this two weeks ago um, in, in the sermon I was preaching about how God wants to reveal himself to us through hardship, and there has been hardship for us um, the past couple of years, and it's it what I preached, I practiced, you know, maybe not by choice, but because through the hardships that we faced, I've come to know God better, and I trust him more. Uh, it's deepening my trust for my children's well-being. That was one of the things that scared me the most about crossing the border from Canada to the U.S. was how is this going to affect my children and how are they going to respond to this? It has deepened my trust in God for my identity, for who I am. Um, and it has gotten rid of some of the lies that were connected to my identity and just refined that and shown more of who I am and, and that my 
identity is connected to who God is and how much I know him and trust him. Um, the outcome of our work, you know, we're two months into public church and we've met some really awesome people that are getting connected to our community. But for anybody doing anything new, whether it's a new business or a relocation or um, starting a new church, there is a lot of fear of failure that the things that we came here to do would not come to pass. So I've had to trust God for the outcome of my work. And of course, I've if you've been listening to any of my sermons the last couple of months, um, provision and favor has been a huge thing that I've been depending on God for because there are so many things about our finances and even working in this city um, that we need God's provision and favor for without him actively his presence um, going before us and setting things up for us and um, him talking to people who are going to partner with us to do this work here financially, um, we would not be able to do it. And so, yeah, God's been really expanding my trust that I had in him. And when I uh, was planning about coming here, you know, one of the things they say is, you know, you got to have a lot of trust and faith. And I I would say I've got it. Um, But I came to know pretty quickly, I felt like the man in the scripture, when Jesus says, do you believe? And he said, well, I believe, but I need you to help me in my unbelief. And I realized that I've said that a lot to God over the last couple of years, because the things that God has asked me to do have um, extended me well beyond uh, my own capabilities. And Uh, It's terrifying, but it's a beautiful place to be, um, to be in this place of dependence on God. And so I'm wondering today, what has God asked you to do? You know, he isn't, it isn't just me um, that he's asked to go and do these crazy things. Um, Again, if we are saying, God, we want to hear from you and be led by you, he's going to ask you to do some things that put you outside of your comfort zone. Um, maybe he asked you to get a specific degree. Maybe you were planning your whole life to be, you know, that this would be your career. And then all of a sudden you hear from God and he's like, well, actually, I would like you to have this vocation. Um, I plan to use you in these ways, in this vocation instead. So you've had to pivot and follow God. Has he asked you to move to a new place? Has he asked you to surrender a part of your life to him? Uh, there is a, a level of obedience that um, God expects of us. But as we grow in our relationship with him, the things that we need to submit to him, the, the ways we need to obey him can start to go to depths that we were never anticipating or expecting. So I'm just wondering today, what has God asked you to do? Or flip it a little bit differently, what are the things that he's asking you to be involved in? Um, I remember very vividly, uh, when I was very new in my relationship with the Lord, I was attending a church called Hillside Wesleyan in, uh, Dartmouth, Nova Scotia, Canada. And the assistant pastor who was named AJ Thomas got up and said that he was going to be leaving Hillside, but he was going to start a new church called Deepwater Church. And this was AJ's 
thing. He was obedient to God. He said yes to the call. Him and his wife, Kelly, and their sons relocated um, across the bridge into the city of Halifax. And he said yes to that. But as, as he was saying yes to it, he was also inviting a group of people to also say yes to this with him. So maybe it's not God asking you specifically to like go and do something, but he's asking you to be a part of what is happening around you. He has a role for all of us in his redemption story. So I'm curious today, what is the role that God is asking you, the, the, the part he is asking you to play in his, in, in his redemption story? And then I think when we, he asks us to do anything, it, the big question that comes is, well, do we have what we need in order to be obedient? Maybe you've heard really clearly what God is asking you to do, but when you um, think of where you're living, maybe he's asking you to relocate. You wonder, well, how am I going to get from point A to point B? If it's to get a degree, maybe all of your courses in high school were to put you in for this certain degree, but then all of a sudden you have to do this new degree. Do you have the courses that you need? Are you equipped to do this new thing that God has asked you to do? Do you have what you need to be obedient to the things that God is asking you to do? As a church, um, we've been reading the Bible chronologically, which means we're going from the very beginning of God's story all the way through. And we are currently in the book of Exodus. And we have just seen God bring the Israelites out of Egypt and all the things that he did to show that he is a God to be trusted, that he has set apart his people and, and he will do anything it takes to have them prosper and become a really strong um, community. So they're now out in the desert. They've been wandering around. And where we're going to be looking today, God has given a task to the, the community of the Israelites. He is asking them to build a tabernacle. A tabernacle is something that they would be able to set up when they're in one place. Because remember, they're wandering in the distance. They're on their journey to the promised land. But God wanted to be able to come and dwell amongst his people and he needed the tabernacle to be able to do that. So he has come to them uh, to ask them to build this tabernacle. So we're going to start off in the book of Exodus. We're going to be in chapter 35. There's quite a few scriptures that I'll be reading just to give us the full picture of what's happening. And then I'll just share what I feel like God has put on my heart to share with you tonight. So Exodus 35, verses 4 to 9. Then Moses said to the entire Israelite community, This is what the Lord has commanded. Take up an offering among you for the Lord. Let everyone whose heart is willing bring this as the Lord's offering, gold, silver, and bronze, blue, purple, and scarlet yarn, fine linen, and goat hair ramskins dyed red and fine leather acacia wood oil for the light spices for the anointing oil and for the fragrant incense and onyx with gemstones to mount on the epod and breastplate and then we're going to jump ahead a little bit to verses 20 and 21 then the israelite community left moses presence 
Everyone's whose heart was moved and whose spirit prompted him came and brought an offering to the Lord for the work on the tent of meeting, for all of its services, and for the holy garments. And then we're going to jump ahead to Exodus 26, 4 to 7, that says, Then all the artisans who were doing all the work for the sanctuary came one by one from the work they were doing and said to Moses, The people are bringing more than is needed for the construction of the work the Lord commanded and to be done. After Moses gave an order, they sent a proclamation throughout the camp. Let no man or woman make anything else as an offering for the sanctuary. So the people stopped. The The materials were sufficient for them to do all the work. There was more than enough. So the verse that we're going to focus on tonight is Exodus 26, 7. It says the materials were sufficient for them to do the work. There was more than enough. So God has come to... Uh, the Israelites through Moses and said, this is a command that the Lord has given us. He wants us to build this tabernacle. And so God's community responds and they go and they bring everything that they have and they're giving their free will offering. And it's really interesting because it even says those whose hearts were moved um, went and did this and they obeyed God. So there were even people in the community that wouldn't have brought some of their stuff Um, because it was only those that God's heart or caused their heart to move towards it. And so they come and we see that there is more than enough that they, that they need to be able to complete the task. As I was reading this, okay, so remember the Israelites have just come in, come out of Egypt. Um, They were an oppressed people. It made me think, well, how did they have the means to be able to do this? I mean, they're eating manna every day, This these wafer-like cakes that fall from the sky, and it's only enough for each day, and they're in such a place of dependence on God, yet they have everything that they need to be able to build this tabernacle. And if you go back a couple of verses and chapters, the tabernacle wasn't a small task to to build there was a lot of details about it and God was very specific how he wanted it to be made so it wasn't like the Israelite people just went and wandered and found what they could in order to put this tabernacle together no like it was very specific what God was asking them for and we read off some of the things that he asked them for in the list um, to be able to do this so the question I had was well where did they get this stuff from And then there was an interesting insight that I saw, and it took me all the way back to Exodus chapter 3, starting at verse 21. This is God speaking through Moses even before they have left Egypt, and he says, I will give these people such favor with the Egyptians. Sorry, just one moment. Evan, the scripture's not coming up on the screen. Are you on air? The scripture's not there? Sorry, just one moment. I'm sorry. I thought I put it in. I must have made a mistake. So I'll just read it if you want to follow along. So Exodus 3.21 says, And I will give these people such favor with the Egyptians that when you go, you will not go empty-handed. 
Each woman will ask her neighbor and any woman staying in her house for silver and gold jewelry and clothing, and you will put them on your sons and daughters, so you will plunder the Egyptians. And then later in Exodus 12, as they're getting ready to flee Egypt, it says, the Israelites acted on Moses's word and asked the Egyptians for silver and gold items and for clothing. And the Lord gave the people such favor with the Egyptians that they gave them what they had requested. In this way, they plundered the Egyptians. So what the Israelites were giving to Moses and them, uh, the artisans that were building the tabernacle was actually given to them by the Egyptians when they were coming out of Egypt. It's so interesting to think that the people that were oppressing the people of Israel were the ones that gave them what they needed in order to be obedient to God. So there was kind of two steps to this obedience. The step that we're looking at right now is that those whose hearts were moved gave towards the temple, but they there was a step even before this that when they had to be obedient to God. If God had said to me, go to your enemy <laughs> and ask them for gold and silver and, you know, in our uh, modern day language, go ask them for a bunch of money, I would be like, are you kidding me? <laughs> like these people are my enemy. They've been oppressing me, but they trusted and they believed God when he said that he would give them favor with the Egyptians. And so if they hadn't have been obedient to go to the Egyptians and ask for the items that were needed, would they have had what they needed to build their tabernacle? And the thing that came to mind was in the hardship that they were facing in Egypt, no season is ever wasted. Even our hardships. God gave them such favor with the Egyptian people that even though they were being oppressed, they would give them what they needed in order to be able to build this tabernacle and have God's presence in their lives. I just think this is crazy, like only God. <laughs> I think there are many things that we've experienced in our lives and we can say only God could do this. And this is another example of how what they needed in order to build this tabernacle was amazing. And God was able to do it. He was able to give them everything they needed to be obedient to him. So God's provision and favor can come through the most unlikely places. And it's crazy. Like, do you realize that God could even use your enemies to provide for you and to provide the means uh, for you to be obedient, to do what he is asking you to do? And then we even think of the story of Jesus. Jesus had a very specific plan when he came as a baby. He came to bring redemption to the whole world. He came to reconcile all people back to God. And he did that through the act of death on a cross. But somebody who loved Jesus wouldn't have been able to do that. I mean, we see the example of Abraham. We read it as a church that he was going to offer his son Isaac, but then God says, no, don't do it. I'll bring a different sacrifice. But he didn't do that with his son. He gave his son and 
it was through Jesus's enemies that God provided salvation for all of us. It comes to mind that if God would give his only son to be able to provide what we need in order to be in relationship with him, he also promises that he will provide everything that we need to live a godly life, to be obedient, to say yes to him. And it first starts with that act of salvation. Um, there's a chance maybe you came across this and you're listening to it and, and you haven't even said yes yet to a relationship with God. So this idea of being obedient to him and surrendering light, your life to him and, and, and being obedient is kind of a crazy concept. But once we say yes to Jesus, once we say yes to the work that he did on the cross for us, it's just the beginning. And there are many ways um, through the rest of our journey that God is going to uh, call us into new things. But for whatever reason, and we can speculate, but God has decided to use our enemies to provide for us. And that just seems so weird. I think we often see things from a very natural perspective. Um, that enemy means that we shouldn't have favor. That enemy means they're just out to hurt us or um, cause pain in our life or cause us to not succeed. So that's what happens when we see things from a natural perspective. But I think what God has been speaking to me about and what I, how I'd like to encourage you tonight is that I want us to be able to see things supernaturally. So that when God calls us out to do these crazy things, we can trust that he's going to be the one that will provide it for us and that it might come from the most unlikely places. I think often we look around and see how God has done things in other people's lives and we think, well, he has, he's not doing it. He's not following through for me this way. And so that must mean that he's not going to for me. But I'm sure the Israelites wouldn't have even imagined that God would use their enemies to provide for them. We can trust that God will provide. And like the Israelites, they, I can imagine, you know, they're wandering in this desert and they're carrying all this stuff that they took with them from Egypt. And they're probably in a bit of a scarcity mindset. We actually see this from them. They've said several times, like, why did you bring me out of the land of Egypt just to die? They are having a hard time trusting God. So they're carrying all of this gold and silver and linen. And all of a sudden God's saying, well, now I want you to give it all back to me. I want you to sacrifice the things that I gave to you in order to do the work that I'm calling you to do. And, but like the Israelites, we can trust that we can give away the things that God has provided and trust that he will continue to provide. And again, to remember that sometimes the, the way that God provides for us is going to come in the most unlikely ways. Would you join me in prayer? God, I thank you uh, that tonight, 
even though uh, we didn't put together a full worship gathering for you, um, your word has been shared. And I pray, God, that as we have listened to your word and we have maybe even heard specifically from you through your Holy Spirit, um, how we are to respond to what has been shared. God, that we will remember that you are trustworthy and that we will just do what you ask us to do and be obedient. Um, Life is risky, but um, I think what I'm seeing as I follow you and try to be your disciple is that the risks that you ask for your people, the, the ways that you lead us and call us um, are bigger than we could have ever anticipated. But I just want to say tonight that um, I believe, but help me in my unbelief. And I pray for miracles in my life. I pray for miracles through public church. I pray for miracles um, for the people who call public church home. I pray for miracles for your church. I pray for miracles um, that will even draw people into relationship with you. God, I confess that I have put you in a box um, too many times and that you are greater than even my best thoughts of you. You're greater than that. And I pray that you will just show me that and continue to, (laughs) I say this very hesitantly, but sincerely lead me and lead us into places of risk um, so that we will see you, that we'll know you, and that we will see your glory on this earth. We want to see your kingdom come here like it is in heaven, and that can only happen when you have full, full rule and reign in our lives. So I pray that we will be the kind of people that surrender to you and let you be king. Yeah, we pray all these things in your name, Jesus. Amen.